I'm never good at working this, but I believe we've got it working. It is uh, so encouraging to come up here after hearing the singing of that song. Uh, encouragement at East Side is always off the top of the charts for the way you sing praises to the Lord. I appreciate that this morning. I recall when Larry Roush held a gospel meeting for us. Uh, he hadn't been here before, and one of the first things he said, he got him and said, y'all like to sing. And I've always appreciated that about East Side. So we announced Wednesday that Caleb George would be standing here this morning. And Caleb's going to bring the lesson. And Caleb called this morning and his card broken down. And, and that's why I'm here today. He was, he was broken hearted and stressed. And you can tell he really wanted to be here. And I told him we'd have him back again. So if you are visiting with us today... Uh, our regular preacher, Lance Blackburn, as it was announced, he's out of town. We invite you to come back hear him. He should be back, uh, Lord willing, this Wednesday and next Sunday. We uh, always mention to our members and our visitors to make sure you measure what is preached here today. Make sure it's in line with God's Word. And that is a fair warning every day, but maybe more fairer today since I... Uh, wasn't prepared earlier this week and didn't get the call from Caleb to this morning. So do me a favor and, and measure what I'm going to say. And if I happen to make some mistake, uh, let me know and we'll, we'll do what we can to correct it. What I want to talk to you today about is, does God expect obedience? When we look at what He says for us to do, does He expect us to do that? We'll find in the book of Genesis... In the fourth chapter, we're going to start this morning with a few Old Testament stories. In the fourth chapter, in verse 3, we learn that God has expectations. In verse 3 it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. So think about that statement there. If you do well, will you not be accepted? you would turn over the book of Leviticus 10. So many times in the world, people want to make every excuse why they don't need to do what the Bible says. And sometimes I hear things like, well, it doesn't say not to. And I want you to think about that statement as we read Leviticus 10, verses 1 and 2. Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on them and offered strange fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, It is what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all people I will be honored. I know you've heard it too. I've heard, I know you've heard people say, well, it doesn't say not to. When you hear that, think about Nadab and Abihu. 
And think about when we read, which he had not commanded them. So when it doesn't say not to, that's not really a good answer. Turn over to First Chronicles. Sometimes people disobey God and their intentions in their mind are okay. We're going to be in First Chronicles 13. Sometimes they think, well, this is in my heart. The Lord knows my heart. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people I feel sorry for. In 1 Chronicles 13, I feel sorry for Uzzah. Because let's read what happens. In 1 Chronicles 13 and verse 6. And David and all the house of Israel went up to Bala, to Kirchurim, which belonged to Judah, to bring the ark of the God of the Lord, who dwells between the cherubim, where His name is proclaimed. So they carried the ark of God on a new cart from the house of Benadad, and Uzzah and Ahio drove the cart. Then David and all Israel played music before God with all their might, with singing on harps and stringed instruments and tambourines and cymbals and trumpets. And when they came to Chidon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen had stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put out his hand, and he died before God. When somebody wants to tell you God knows their heart, when somebody wants to tell you they think it's the right thing to do, think about Uzzah. Because standing where I'm at, if I see the oxen stumble, and I think the ark is going to fall, I think us probably didn't have any bad intentions. I think he might have thought he was doing right in his mind. But it wasn't what the Lord commanded. David comes to understand the difference. Just a few chapters later, 1 Chronicles 15. And then they moved the ark the way God intended them to. Now sometimes... Sometimes we just think we know better. We don't want to admit that, but sometimes we just think we know better how to do things. And in Proverbs 16, verse 25, we read, There is a way which seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now turn to 2 Kings. In verse 5. And we're going to read a few verses on Naaman. Now Naaman, commander of the army, king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because of him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. Drop down to verse 8. So it was. Naaman, he's going to go, he wants to get his leper secured, and the king has torn his clothes in verse 7. And in verse 8 we read, so it was when Elijah the man of God heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went out with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger to him saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and he went away and said, 
Indeed, I said to myself, he will surely... Now think about what, think what I just read. Naaman said, Indeed, I said to myself. Naaman thought he knew what should happen. Naaman thought it should go this way. Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hands over this place and heal my leprosy. Are not the Abai and the Farfar, far, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not be washed in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. You see, Naaman thought he knew how it should go. Naaman thought, well, this is just as good. Why, why not this way? Thankfully for him, he had a good servant. Keep reading verse 13. And his servant came near to him and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and the flesh was restored like that of the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. See, when I read God's commandments, I need to make sure that I do what He tells me to do, and not what I think it should do, what I think it should be, or how I think it should sound. Now, some people may say, well, these are Old Testament stories. We're under the covenant of grace and mercy now. So let's turn to the New Testament and look and see if God still expects obedience from us. We'll turn to 1 Corinthians. First Corinthians, the 10th chapter. We're going to start in verse 1. going to read through verse 13. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized into Moses and in the cloud and the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from the spiritual rock which followed them. And the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, most of them, God was not well pleased for they were laid low in the wilderness. Now pay attention to verse 6. Now these things happened as an example for us so that we would not crave evil things as they craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorality, immorally as some of them did and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example. They were written for our instruction and upon the end of the ages have come. Therefore, let him who thinks he stand take heed that he does not fall. See, all of those things for, for our examples. All of those things are for us to learn. And in today's society... Sin is belittled. Sin is like it's okay. They don't want to condemn it. They will even go so far as this term, a little white lie. Like that's okay. Uh, you know, and I picked that out because we want to go to Acts 5. Because does God expect us to tell the truth? Let's look at Ananias and Sapphira. The world today will tell you, oh, you can tell a little white lie, it'll be okay. 
But what does God expect? In Acts 5 we read, But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds. His wife, also being aware of it, brought a certain part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? After it was sold, was it not in your control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And young men arose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now verse 7. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are out the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet, breathed her last, and the young men came in and found her, carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church when they heard these things. If we're tempted to tell a lie, and the world wants to tell us it's a little white lie and it's okay, think about Ananias and Sapphira. And ask yourself, does God expect me to be obedient? He does. And only the obedient will be saved. We read in 1 John 5, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. We think about Revelations 22. We do not need to add or subtract to the Lord, to the things that He's told us in Scripture. Turn to Matthew 7. And I know some of you probably heard me say this before. Uh, Matthew 7, 21. I've always thought that these are the scariest verses to me that I've ever read. And think about excuses for not obeying the Lord. Think about people who say, well, He didn't say not to. Think about people that say, well, I think it should be this way. Or think about people that they think they just have good intentions. And look at Matthew 7, 21. And see who's going to go to heaven here. Matthew 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father. See, he expects obedience. The reason I say these verses are scary is because verse 22 says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and in your name perform many miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's scary because I think they thought they were okay. They thought they did all these great things. And he said, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now ask yourself again, does God expect obedience? We'll turn to Galatians. Galatians, the first chapter. See, I mentioned Revelations earlier. We see here in Galatians that change is not allowed. You and I don't have the authority to change what God said. We pick up in verse 6. It says, I am amazed that you were so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is not another. 
Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he's to be accursed. And we have said before, and I say it again, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what is received, to what you received, he is to be accursed. We can't change it. Second John verse 9 reads, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him in your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares his evil deeds. read another version of the same verse. 2 John 9, whoever transgresses and does not abide in this doctrine, not add to, not take away revelations. I like this version. Uh, New American Standard says, anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ. You see, God set a pattern for us and said something we're to follow. We shouldn't transgress it and we shouldn't go too far. When I think about the plan of salvation, I think about naming a lot. Because when we teach people in the world that they need to hear the gospel, that they need to believe that Jesus, the Son of God, died for remission of their sins, they need to repent of their sins. And we read verses like 2 Peter 3 9, where it says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. But his long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. <clears throat> when we think about teaching them on repentance, and confessing that Jesus, the Son of God, died for their sins, and we get to baptism, to me it always seems like the story of Naaman comes into my head because they always want to discount that. They always want to say why. They always think they have a way. Remember, we're not to add to, we're not to take away. Mark 16, 16. He who believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but who has not believed shall be condemned. Why too often do I let my pride get in the way and the world's pride get in the way of following God's will and submitting to Him? Why do we act like Nadab and Abihu sometimes and think we can do things we shouldn't? Why do we get it in our head like Uzzah? We, we had the right intentions and we think that makes a difference. We need to follow God's Word. We need to realize that we have sinned and fallen short. And we read Acts 2.38 so often, but I always want us to at least start in verse 36. Because that's where the full weight of the sermon is coming down on them. In verse 36 there says, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, 
They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent, and each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins, and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. Romans 3.23 For all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. I hope when I read that, I remember Acts 2.36. I hope when I read that, my heart's pricked like they were in verse 37. I hopefully I read that. That I want to turn and serve the Lord. I hope you do. I hope you understand that God expects obedience. It's not about me. It's not about what I think it should be. It's not about my attitude or my... You know, it is about my attitude in serving the Lord, but it's not about what I think should be right. It's about what did God tell me to do. If you're here this morning, if you would pick up your songbooks. If you're here this morning, ask yourself. God has set a standard for you. God has told you what He's expecting. Are you walking in light? Are you trying your best to serve Him every day? And if you're stumbling, you know we'll pray for you, we'll pray with you. And if you need repentance, turn from that. If you're here today, and maybe you've made excuses for not following God's plan of salvation. Maybe you've made excuses for not being baptized for remission of your sins. Understand today could be our last day. Understand you may not have another opportunity. If we can help in any way, come forward as we stand and sing. We walk with the Lord.